Well, to echo what Derek said, good morning to you. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We've been going through this series, What If, and asking this big question about what if we looked like fill in the blank. And Chris has been walking us through this. And um, this morning, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about safety and, um, and our obsession with it, our obsession with safety. You know, right now, we live in the safest time in world history, right? And despite what the news channels want to tell you, they're, they're, they're just trying to fill time. So they tell you the same scary story over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And there's some scary stories. There are some scary stories. But, you know, we live in the safest time in the world, but yet we seem to be the most fearful people in the world. Um, we, you just look at it in, in the way we say our prayers, right? We always start off, you know, Lord, keep us safe, keep us safe. Like, you know, there's just somebody behind us always ready to tackle us. I don't know. Um, but we, we're not, you know, we're, we, uh, hey, stop it. <laughs> um, other than sharks, you know, if you were a shark, I'd have been, I would have been scared. That's an illegitimate fear of mine. But, you know, we're, we're, we're so worried about what we can't control. And, you know, that seems so, like, opposite of the way that Jesus talks about our faith and our trust. And he wants us to be faithful and, and trusting and knowing that, you know, regardless of whether, I guess, somebody sneaks up and says boo, he's going to take care of it. And we get so worried about and wrapped up in our safety, uh, we get lost in the trust of God. But what happens is, I think, is that for whatever reason, we decide that Christianity is supposed to be safe, right? Right. That following God must be safe because, well, we've read scriptures before where God has said, uh, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. And so we think, well, okay, that means things are going to be safe. And that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the case. But what we've done, we've developed a brand of Christianity that's, um, well, it's all about safe people and safe practices and, and safe churches. And I like to call it bubble church. Yep. Bubble church. Bubble church. Not, not Bubba church. We had Bubba lunch this last week. And yeah. Thanks to all the ladies who helped prepare yeah. that meal. And Shout out. It was fantastic. And whoever made the peanut butter cake, mm, fist pound. Just all go right. ahead. Fist pound. And when Got is your it. birthday? Uh, December 3rd. All right. So you have... February 3rd. He would like one. Every uh, every third of the month. That's, that's what he yes, would like. Yes, every third. We'll just celebrate once a month. Uh, but here's kind of so what what's happens. happening. Okay, here we go. All right. Here, you Object lesson. Yes. Um... You know, there's a lot said in our culture Let's today about to Christians being... So this, this is what we would call a hedge of protection? That's right. This okay. is the hedge of protection that we pray for yes. because we want, things to be, we want things to be safe because we don't like different things we see taking place in our culture. And we, and we lament things about how that our culture is changing and oftentimes those things stop snapping all the bubble wrap. It all centers on, you know, Bible in schools or no prayer in schools or we hear people talk about how that no one wants to come out on Sundays anymore and, and nobody wants to be here for Wednesday night Bible study and it, it's almost as if if you listen to us talk that, that we need for people to, we need for all other events to stop in order for us to practice our Christianity. Uh, we need for our country to, to go along with everything that we believe and everything that we say in order for us to be able to be faithful. And, and so it's, 
it's like we develop this Christianity that says, look, I follow God, and because I follow God, I need to be safe, and, and, and I need to be taken care of. And so I need leaders that agree with me, and I need to make sure that there are laws that I agree with. And when that happens, well, then I can be safe, and I can be God's person, and, and I can be God's church. Uh, but here's the thing. You see how ridiculous Sean looks right now? Pretty ridiculous. I, I, I want you to understand something. Safe Christians look even more ridiculous in the eyes of God. Because where does it ever say in Scripture that following God is going to be safe? I love the Chronicles of Narnia, and there's this um, scene where, what, Lucy and Susan, I think those are the two, two girls, they're having a conversation with the beavers, and they're talking about the lion Aslan. And when the lion is being described, Susan says, well, well is he safe? And the response by the beavers is, safe? I didn't say anything about being safe. But he's good. He's good. See, somehow we decided that going down into the valley with five smooth stones, well, that was for David, but not for us. And somehow we decided that going and preaching the message in the midst of the Ninevites, well, that was something for Jonah, but it wasn't something, wasn't something for us. And going into the temple courts, well, that was something for those early disciples, but it's not something for us. And, 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 and being individuals that, that stand for something and have values and principles and are not afraid to say, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I'm going to live my life for Him. Well, that's for other people. Right. It's not us. Because we want to be safe. And we want to have safe prayers and safe worship and safe church. And you know what? Sadly, I have heard through the years over and over, I've even heard church leaders talk about, well, you know what? That's the safe decision. Mm. That's the safe doctrine. That's the stay safe path. And Sean and I, as we've been along with the rest of our staff and with our elders speaking over the last, uh, wow, how many months has it been? I mean, six, wow. seven, eight months. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about what God desires for this church. Mm. And it is our firm belief that God desires for his people here and for his people everywhere to be bold. And that means you got to take off the bubble wrap. I was glad you did. I was worried you were going to make me I know you were worried it. about that. I don't know if I'm strong enough for that. But it means, you know what? Sometimes our hands are going to get dirty and sometimes right. our feet are going to get bruised and sometimes it means that we are going to be placed in situations where we are going to feel so uncomfortable, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it for God. And so if you're sitting out there this morning and you're wrapped in bubble wrap, I got to give you a quick heads up. As we go through our teaching this morning, you are going to feel uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit is going to be working on you to shed the protection so that God can use you in a bold way. Let's continue in our worship together. The early disciples had one of those take off the bubble wrap moments. You can read about it in Acts 4th chapter and also in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John had been placed in prison because 
of their faith, because of speaking out, because of healing that God had done through them. There is this prayer recorded. Say in verse 29, Now Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The text goes on to say that after they prayed, the room was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a a shaking that went on. And it says that they went out from that place and they preached the message of God boldly. And the result... Well, you keep reading down into chapter 5 and you come to verse 14 and it says that more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Because of their boldness. Because they decided that playing it safe was not what God had in mind. That safe Christianity ran counter to the Christianity spoken of, to the life that was lived by by Jesus. But when you live boldly and when you speak boldly and when you go around displaying the power of God in your life, there are those that are not always going to be necessarily happy about it. When you continue reading down through the chapter, you see in verse 17 that there were high priests who became very incensed and enraged. They were filled, it says, with jealousy. And so they arrested the apostles and they put them in public jail. They were not concerned with the validity of the disciples' message. They were not concerned as to whether or not the disciples' message was consistent with Torah. They were upset the fact that they were losing followers. You see, there were more people who were leaving their individual little kingdoms to become a part of God's kingdom. And so what do you do when someone's moving in on your turf? You put a horse head in their bed. Well, no, you, you have their leaders arrested. Earlier it was just Peter and James, but now they're rounding up the whole gang. And I wonder if Matthew and Bartholomew, I wonder if, I wonder if as the doors shut, they remember the words of Jesus. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That night behind bars, their time in prison came to an abrupt end when an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and and brought them out. And I want you to see there in, in verse 20 what the message of the angel was. I want you to notice what he told them. He said, run to your church building and hide. And that's what we would expect, right? After all, these are the same people who had put Jesus to death. It would just make sense if they calmed things down and they didn't get too excited about the message of Jesus. If they would just listen to what was going on and what was being told to them. If they would just wait to a, to a better time, a better season, when the things that were going on in their culture were going to be more conducive to their message. But notice what the Lord's messenger actually said. Go stand in the temple courts. Now that's bold. 
I mean, they are, they're being told, don't run and, and don't be afraid. Go speak in the very living room of the ones who despise you. Do you understand that boldness is not needed if there is nothing to be lost? It's not needed if you're always going to be speaking to the choir. You don't need boldness if you only spend time with people who agree with you and vote like you, talk like you. You don't need boldness if you always pray for safety because boldness is not needed in a bubble. You know, when you're all wrapped in bubble wrap and everything is, is safe and everything is, is easy, you don't need to be bold. You just need to put a J103 sticker on your car. That's all you need. Let people know whose you are and whose music you listen to. You don't need boldness in a bubble. But if you're going to stand in the courts of apathy, and if you're going to stand in the courts of racism, and if you're going to stand in the courts of political correctness, and if you're going to stand up in the locker room or the boardroom, if you're going to stand up where no one expects you to stand, then let me tell you something. You better have prayed for boldness. Because that's what it's going to take. These are the places where you will need to be bold. Boldness is not standing on the street corner shouting Bible verses at traffic as they go by. That's weirdness. I mean, really, that's just, that's just being weird. But boldness is going to those who live on the street corner and asking them their name. And I know that we have some in our midst who you have, you have gone and you have walked the streets with cry for the broken. And you have gone and you have learned the names of, of men and women who have through choices of their own or through decisions that others have made for them, have found themselves in a terrible place in life. That's bold. To go and say, if you'd like a different life, if you'd like to make a change, if you'd like to leave the streets, if you'd like to have a righteous relationship, then I'm here to help you. Bold. Boldness is not standing up in church and speaking out for traditional marriage. Boldness is volunteering with Chattanooga Cares and serving the HIV population in Chattanooga. Knowing that you're going to have to be with individuals who have a totally different definition of relationship. And sexuality. Boldness is, is not bringing your family to church. Boldness is teaching your family how to be light in the darkness. And letting them know that the time that we spend in gatherings like this are only to recharge our batteries so that we might be able to go out and shine. Boldness is not keeping the peace, but it's going against your family's beliefs and your denomination's traditions in order to live out the will of God. 
saying, I, I, know what, I know what we've done in the past, and I know what I've held to in the past, but you know what? This is where God is leading. You see, I'm afraid that given our current views of Christianity, it would be difficult for many of us to go and stand in the temple courts because it wouldn't be safe. And as Sean and I were talking about earlier, we live now in a, in a society where at least for many of those who call Jesus Savior, safety comes first. You can see it in the things that we talk about and the things that cause us anxiety. I mentioned earlier how it seems as if our Christianity somehow needs to have all activities stop so that we can practice our faith. And how it seems that if our Christianity doesn't have its prayers taught in schools, then they will never be taught or heard. And it seems as if our Christianity seeks power by influencing political leaders and having special lobbies. It seems as if living in a nation that honors our Christian beliefs has gone from being a blessing to becoming a necessity. And I can just imagine, I can just imagine talking to, to other followers of Jesus around the world who, who say, when we pray, Lord, give us our daily bread, we really mean that. And you guys pray for what? To be safe? And for people to vote the way you want them to vote? It's a bubble wrap Christianity, guys. A bubble wrap Christianity that, that just says, I just want to make sure that I get to heaven. I just want to make sure that I get to heaven and, and I just want to make sure that, I just want to make sure that I'm safe. I don't know. I think that some of us would have a difficult time going and standing up in the temple courts in telling the message that the disciples were given. He said, I want you to go and I want you to tell people about this new life. No more sacrifice for sins. No more divisions between groups of people. No more distance between the people and their God. Now that's a bold message. Jesus was alive and a new way of living was possible. And their bold mission, listen, required a bold message. But when they were told to go and stand in the very midst of those who despised them and disagreed with their message, and the angel says, look, you go tell about this life there. You go talk about Jesus to them. We said, go talk about the kingdom life. A life that would impact and change the way that they saw and, and treated the outsider. The way that they understood worship. The way that they understood power and position. The way that they looked at property and possessions. And understand something. To talk about this new life meant that they had to talk about Jesus. They had to. Because that is where the new life found its power. These guys have been put in prison. And when the officials went to get them out the next morning, they found them missing and wondered, where in the world did they go? And as you continue to read through the text, you find out that 
that there they went out at daybreak early in the morning and there they are in the temple courts and they're proclaiming the message and the guards go and take them and bring them back to the Sanhedrin and the members of the court say we gave you strict orders and notice what the orders were in verse 28 don't teach in this name yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching they said look you have got to stop talking about Jesus because that was their message that was who they were about that was what they were talking about Jesus was the message but here's my fear I'm afraid we've gone from a message about a person to a message about our programs. And the result is a church franchise on every single corner. Have you ever thought about why there are so many, especially in the southern United States, why there's just so many church buildings? It's like every corner you go to, there's one sitting there. And every group has their own way of, of doing church. And and each group believes that their way of doing church is, is the best way of doing church, right? I mean, otherwise, all the believers would be together and just be Christians. But no, we have to be hyphenated Christians. And so we've got Baptist Christians and Methodist Christians and Catholic Christians and Church of Christ Christians. And each franchise is trying to grow their brand of Christianity. And each one says, hey, join us. Because we're the cool church, or we're the old church, or we're the new church. Hey, we're the contemporary church. Hey, we're the traditional church. Or I saw a, a sign going on Facebook the other day that said, we're not traditional or contemporary, we're scriptural. Good for them. Join us. We've got the best, the best worship, the best youth group, the best preacher, the best doctrine. This is what we want you to have. Join us, come and be a part. And yet, you know what? The number of Christians as a share of the U.S. population has decreased over the last 10 years from 78% to 70%. And meanwhile, the number of nuns, those people who say, you know what, I have, I have no connection with any type of religious group, that group has risen from 16% to 23%. It seems as if the, the McDonaldization of Christianity has not been very successful at gaining followers. And I think it's because our message has been overshadowed by our methods because think about it when you think about different churches on different corners many of you can talk about the things that they believe and the things that they teach or the things that they do or the things that they don't do you don't necessarily sit there and go those people they love Jesus we're safe we're safe and we have the luxury of being able to go and, and worship the way that we want to, where we want to, and hear the teachings that we want to hear and all of those things and we feel as if we have somehow 
made a difference than for God. And yet when you read this particular passage here, you come down to verse 42 and you find that day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, that these disciples never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped. And this is where I think we've run into our problems. We stopped. Somewhere along the line, we stopped talking about the name and started talking about our ministries and our doctrines and our worship assemblies and our, you just, you just fill in the blank. We stopped proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And it shows in our society. It's the reason for our divisions. Ever hear of churches splitting because too many people were sharing Jesus? Ever hear one side of the room stand up and say, I'm just tired of everybody on the right talking about Jesus all the time. And then people on the left standing up saying, we know if y'all just stopped singing about him, we would stop talking about him. I think it's the reason for our lack of social impact. What do we hear more and more? People are asking why Christ followers don't seem to reflect Christ values. Why is that? Could it be because we have forgotten the message? And then instead of being bold and declaring that Jesus is the Messiah and he is truly the answer for the world, we have opted instead for a bubble-wrapped Christianity that packages all of our pet beliefs and, and voting habits and all of our individual preferences into a nice little package where we feel wrapped up and safe. You see, in the quest to fill pews and market brands, I wonder if we have not forgotten that God's ultimate desire is to fill the person. The good news of Jesus, that death and resurrection, that's our death and resurrection too. And that transforms lives. And that's the message. It's the message. And the church is going to have to recall the boldness of times gone by in order to be able to project and to share that message. So here's a few baby steps. Bold is deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. Bold is deciding, you know what? That's just wrong in saying so. Bold is taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. Whether it be via social media, whether it be face-to-face, Bold is even creating opportunities to be able to, to share that, that message. You see, that is normal. And that is how it all started. And anything less on our part is to portray the memory of those who gave their lives and who continue to give their lives for the name. Besides, aren't you grateful that someone was bold enough to speak to you about Jesus? To share his name with you? Now, now, if you're not a believer in Jesus this morning, I know kind of what you're thinking. You're kind of going, this is what I hate about Christians. Because you're thinking, why can't you just keep it to yourself? 
Why can't you just let society do whatever it wants to do? Why can't you just let me live the way that I want to live and be who I want to be? Why don't you just keep it to yourself? And the good news is, most of us do. You're safe. You work around Christians and you don't know they're Christians because they're secret Christians. You play golf with people and you don't know they're Christians because they're secret Christians. You might even have family members who are Christians and don't even know it because they're secret Christians. And so the good news is that most of us will never let on that we're Christian because we're good American Christians and it might cost us something if we were to say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and so you're safe. But there are some who really believe the words of Jesus that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you know, I guess if we've been a nuisance or if we've been a bother, if you think of Christians, you think of individuals who are negative and uncaring, that's our fault. Because here's the deal. If we had kept the spirit of the first century church alive, not just some of its practices, but its very ethos and its ethic, then things would be different. Because even if you never became a Christian, I think you would like us. You would be in awe of us. You would look at the love that we have for one another and how we care for our neighbors and you would say, I don't know if I believe all this Jesus stuff or not. I don't know if I get into all this worship idea, but I would like to have some of whatever you have. And you'd want to hire us and you'd want to work for us. You'd want to marry us. You'd want your children to marry us. You would want to share in our character and in our ethic and in our honesty. And if, even if you never became a believer, you would still say that there is something amazing about us. Now, if that's never been your experience, and that's our fault. And I apologize if we have represented the name of Jesus in a way that we should not have. Church, Jesus died so that the kingdom of God might be able to overtake every corner and every dark location that Satan had set his flag in. He did not go to the cross so that you and I could worship in nice, comfortable buildings. He did not go to the cross so that we could fill our ears only with Christian music. He, he did not go to the cross so that we could live in our Christian communities and attend our Christian schools. All these things are great. But he went to the cross so that the kingdom of God would be ushered in. And that that kingdom would then begin to, to take root. And that that kingdom would begin to change every single society that it came in contact with. And that only happens when the people of God go and declare the mission of God 
by speaking the message of God. And in order to do that, we've got to get rid of the bubble wrap. And we must become more bold. So what if, what if we shed the bubble wrap and acted boldly? What if we took the message of Jesus to the streets? What if our Christianity was less passive and, and more active? Now, now, right now, maybe you're thinking about different ministries that we're involved in and things that we're doing that are impacting this community. And there are some wonderful things that are going on here. But it's like someone I've heard say, you know, the, you know what's wrong with the snack pack ministry? There's only one of them. That there's only one. What else do we have of, of that size and magnitude that is going out and, and reaching in, into the community? And, and I know that we're having this great opportunity now for the home that's here on our property and the way that it's going to be used to, to enrich the lives of some women who have had some very difficult circumstances in the past. And that's great, but there's only one of them. What if... What if we cared less about what others say about us and more about what God thinks about us? What if the majority of the money that we give each week went directly to combat the poverty and pain experienced in this city? What if our values were more aligned with God's kingdom than with our political ones? What if we prayed and fasted for those who are fleeing abuse? What if we spoke up for the marginalized and the bullied? What if we spoke to the sad and lonely? What if we welcomed the stranger, ate with the hungry, and clothed the cold? Now I'm not talking about coming up necessarily just with more ministries. I'm talking about the individual people of God. You and me and the people that are sitting all around you. Becoming the instruments that God uses to accomplish his restorative will. It's a bold mission with a bold message. And it's going to take a bold people. What if? I told you that for the month of January, we were going to challenge one another with this concept of, uh, of what if. And we've talked about what it would look like if, if we truly love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've spoken about what it would look like to, to love our neighbors, really, from the heart. We've talked about what it would look like if we weren't such a, a church that was such a human organization and, and more one that was a group of spiritually called out people. And I said that we have done this in order to present the vision for us as a church family. And I've encouraged you to listen to these lessons on podcast if you haven't been able to be with us each and every week. I want you to know that, that next week we are going to, on Super Bowl Sunday, we are going to have a great kickoff together. And we are going to, to kick off East Brainerd's vision. I guess I misspoke. We're going to kick off God's vision for East Brainerd. And we're going to talk about what that vision looks like. When a people of God say, you know what, we're going to love our Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and we're going to love our neighbors and and we're not going to be so wrapped up in, in some type of denomination, but we're going to be a called out people who go out and speak the message of God boldly. 
What does that look like? What will that cause us to look like as a congregation? We're going to kick that off next week and I hope that you'll be here in order to be a part of that, in order to share with that. Wear your football jerseys if you want to because it is Super Bowl Sunday. If you've got a favorite jersey you want to wear next week, go ahead and, and put that on and wear it and we're going to have a great kickoff together. But our prayer is that through all of these messages that one thing continues to be heard. Our God has a people. And our God has a plan for his people. And as the people of God, we want to be about the plan of God. Maybe in order to do that, you need to come this morning and say, you know what, I've been wrapped in bubble wrap and I've tried to separate myself from anything that might taint me or damage me. I've tried to keep things nice and safe and tidy and I haven't been engaging I haven't been engaging the world. Maybe you need to come this morning saying, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I believe the bold message, and I want, I want the Spirit of God working powerfully in my life. So I want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. We'll rejoice and we'll celebrate with you. Nowhere in Scripture are God's people called to be safe. But we are called to be bold. What if you lived like that. Let's stand and sing together.